Tasting Anarchy, your wine and liberty podcast. Join Mason and Jake each week as they try new wines and discover how much government is in your drink. Now I've started the recording. No way. <laughs> yes, we have, yeah. we have us uh, us recorded the whole time. Lots oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I guess we, uh, that that that'll work. So yeah. if you got if yeah, no, well, it's, just, it's just them. They didn't. He didn't record us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's just yeah. Okay, just that makes on. sense. Dark Tom. All right, well, all right, we, all right we, hang we, on, hang on, hang on. Okay. The intro to this episode, Dark Tom Woods has shown up and uh, fucked us on twenty minutes worth of recording, folks. Yes. Was it that long? Yeah, about that. twenty minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm, so, at, I'm at twenty three okay. right now. Yeah. So. Okay. Uh, Thanks in here, Jacob here. We've got the boys with peaceful treason on. Uh, we just uh, shat the bed on twenty minutes worth of it. We've got their <laughs> side of it on this perfectly awesome conversation that we had derailed within thirty-five seconds of starting. So, uh, That's true. <laughs> what a great episode to begin with. Um, we gather you all here tonight to uh, hear our ramblings about coronavirus and uh, cool beer, Jacob. That's true. What, all right. What all is right. the connection so- to this beer and peaceful treason? So the connection to this beer and peaceful treason is uh, it's Grunge IPA. This is made by I'm going to butcher the name because it's Italian. It's a, it's an it's an American style IPA, but it's made in Italy. It's um, by Birifico Independente Elva, and um, it is beer independent. Yep, yeah, basically independent beer producers, maybe or good I, I beer producers. That, yeah. Elva, I'm not sure what that means, but. Uh, so it's called it's Grunge IPA. It's six point three percent alcohol by volume. Uh, the the connection with this beer is that I made I uh, brought a different one from the same producer in Italy to Childeberg, and everybody got to try that. It was interesting. It was a, it was also an IPA. I think that was called. Um, it was phenomenal. Yeah, it was pretty good. It was um, man. I, I'll look it up real quick. The, the I should have looked it up before, but uh, it was like. Oh, so it had something to do with like video games or disco or something like that. Elve is the brewery. Are we oh. gonna Are we gonna redo introductions or do we do we do we? That was my, that I, was our introduction. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I guess so. Yeah. Okay, well, let, <laughs> we're we're quickly approaching most most frequent return guests, so people we don't even need introductions. I was everyone say, everyone I that listens, I, I don't think you guys are approaching it. I think you guys have actually beaten it. Other yeah, than that's true. I think sister. I think so. I think you guys are the most the most uh, frequent guests, but go ahead and introduce yourselves just for anybody who's new, because uh, I feel, I feel bad about missing that, uh, that <laughs> just, recording. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The tab and I'm like, There's nothing happening. What Jacob uh, real quick. Wasn't it the techno double IPA? Yes, that was it. That's oh. it. Yep. That was it. Yep. Sorry. I didn't Boom. mean to <laughs> jump in there, but yeah. So yeah, I'm Jared of the peaceful treason podcast. Uh, and, and yeah, we've been on your show several times and we've had you on ours and we love you guys and can't wait to see you at Childerberg. And of course, I'm joined always by my co-host. I'm Will. Um, you know, we love you guys. Jared and I are Eskimo brothers. That just popped in my head <laughs> Why? for some reason. Why? Why? I don't know. You're you're saying, oh, co-host. So we're closer than that. We're closer than co-hosts. We're Eskimo Much brothers. Much closer. Yeah. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think we're Eskimo brothers several times over. <laughs> it's embarrassing. It really oh. is. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> I, I need a backstory episode on your show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure that Mason and I are not Eskimo brothers. <laughs> I'm pretty much going to guarantee we're not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, 
<laughs> who knows maybe, maybe in our long histories there, there is a uh there is some sort of overlap <laughs> no or, or other universes parallel universes yeah, yeah i was true. gonna say like look in this dimension or on uh this, yeah. this simulation um to yeah. reference the mystery dark Tom woods portion <laughs> right yeah. Hey. yeah in in my reality we're not but yeah. but possibly yeah. in yours <laughs> so no, hey, uh, okay so jacob uh do I understand correctly that you so you sent us a care package, right? And I tweeted yes. it out. Home homemade kombucha come, God damn it. We got yeah. Uh, yeah, we got we got three bottles of homemade kombucha. Yeah. Uh but this is what the bottle it was in, though. You're gonna read what's what, what <laughs> right, the bottle hey. he used was. So did you did you send your kombucha in the same bottle? So we're both drinking uh, grunge IPA? Mm-hmm. Yes, we're, awesome. we're. I think all three of all us three are of us drinking. So this is a. IPA. So this is a true. Now we're all in different corners of the of the United States, but yeah. we're all drinking the same beverage. That's so we're, kind of, we're all now exciting. We're all now beer Eskimo. Beer brothers. Eskimo. <laughs> <laughs> <That's terrible. Right. laughs> okay, I just want to uh, make sure we are all drinking the same thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. We are. We are all drinking the same thing. I say. I also did a episode with my sister where her and I drank this same beer, but I haven't released it yet. I wanted to release this one, then release hers. Uh, and hers, like when I re-listened to it, I was like, man, I was pretty hammered because like I'm talking about stuff and it doesn't make any sense. That's, so. <laughs> that's how you were when we recorded a uh, episode 104, 104. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, yeah. Were, like, yeah, yeah, it is like, cause I re-listened to it and like her friend came over to her house cause she was on lockdown too. And her friend was over and like, I was trying to tell them both about Bitcoin and it didn't make any sense what I was saying. <laughs> and I was, I was like, no, you guys got to understand. It's distributed. And they're like, what? And I'm like, you know, it's distributed. So you, you can't hack it because one chain is bigger than the other chain. And the network must be bigger. And they're like, I don't understand. What are you talking about? No one yeah. asked you about Bitcoin, damn it. <laughs> Why are you just talking about this? But hey, yeah, Jacob, just a, a quick question, a little off topic. Uh, have you been, you've been drinking a little bit more beer lately. What's, yeah, uh, what's that all about? Mason had the whole, uh, like three beers in one episode. Yeah, too. but he, yeah. he's always enjoyed beer, but, but no, no, no. Jacob's right? always enjoyed beer too. That's true. The, the, yeah. so, maybe, maybe it's just newer to the podcast. No, the, 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 like no, an, the so there, it, it is a circumstantial thing is I was moving and I couldn't find my corkscrew. <laughs> so yeah so I'm, for for about i love it for about, that's, it's that simple you have one corkscrew but 500 <laughs> bottles of wine yeah exactly exactly oh, so i couldn't so i couldn't find it and so for like two or three weeks i was i just was buying beer because i was like you know i don't want to get another corkscrew but my corkscrew is pretty good <laughs> and uh i it's just i know what's in one of these boxes and the thing is is like a corkscrew is like five bucks or something it's probably less than that and and then actually what was funny is when, when we started unpacking, I found my corkscrew and three other corkscrews. <laughs> <laughs> so like I had multiple corkscrews. I just, for some reason in my mind, thought I only had the one. Mm-hmm. And so it good. just, that was just why we did. That's why I was doing beer for a while is, yeah. and, and I did actually, I think the either the last episode or it might've been the last episode I did a white wine. And the only reason I did that wine was because it had a screw top. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like, what's funny is like, so Jacob, you know, packed up all his wine and moved and everything like that. But my parents had gotten me a uh, two Groupons for fifteen bottles each of wine, and it came with um, 
bottle opener. So I was like, I could just mail you a bottle opener, but he also had run out of toilet paper. I was like, I can send you both. <laughs> like, cause yeah. my wife and I just kept screwing up Amazon subscribe and save. So we have like more toilet paper than like Ooh. these people who are like supposedly hoarding. It's like, I, I don't want to, like, I've thought about posting on Reddit. Like, uh, I wasn't hoarding. I just bad at Amazon subscribe and save. <laughs> That's awesome. Did we, they, we, did we did they run the same, out? I did the same thing. We, we actually canceled our subscribe and save because we accidentally tripled up like two uh, months ago, three months ago. Yeah. Yeah. So I, we, I we had to... basically had six months worth of toilet paper. Do you guys not wipe your asses? Oh, I oh. go through like on a good day. If like I like fast food, I might kill a roll in one sitting. <laughs> That's definitely too much. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is. We we use we use wet toilet paper mostly. We used to have a bidet, and I'm I'm thinking about getting bidets again. Oh, um, I, I want a bidet so bad. Now we've talked about it on really three different nice. episodes. Yeah, they're they're actually like I I actually really liked having the bidet. Like it was it was unusual. It takes getting used to because it is a procedure that you have to do that's different. But um, it's. Like the, the wet toilet paper I like a lot now, though, I'm a little bit concerned about my plumbing now that I own a house instead of renting. Like before I was just <laughs> like, yeah, if it, if it clogs up, who cares? It's, it's the, it's the, it's the, uh, apartments problem. But Cotton now Hill. I'm like, Cottonell hey. flushables, man. It's a yeah. uh, fl- flush safe, nice on the butthole. Very nice. Well, from what I understand is none that like, is that none of them are actually flushable. They just advertise it as flushable. Yeah. I, 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 there's no way that's true. It, I mean, it depends it's, on, I guess, what the definition by correct, a plumber it, is. No, but no, Cottonelle's no. definitely breaks down. I mean, you, if 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 you forget to flush or whatever, you can come back and you see you see it already disintegrating. Whereas, like, oh, really? I have Whoa. baby wipes, and baby wipes you can forget about it. They are for yeah. sure not flushable. No, well, the, Jared, you, you just have a, you have acidic feces, and that's, it just breaks it down. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the the problem with it is is like basically. It's flushable and modern piping. It's oh, yeah, yeah. like so many places don't have modern piping. And that's well, this the is issue. in Africa. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, my house was built in 37, so I don't have modern piping. <laughs> so let me, let me run, let me run a new invention by you guys that I thought about. Recently. Oh yes. Is it, is it called it, a hand snake? Cause you could, I could, you could also buy one of those and just snake your toilet. If it no, no, no. <laughs> my idea is that we start selling toilets Mm-hmm. That come equipped with garbage disposals, so that when you flush, the garbage disposal turns on. Uh, they have those. Do they? Okay. Yeah. So you do you remember um like Kev, the on Smodcast, Kevin Smith used to have the his gay friend on a lot. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the first house Kevin owned in uh, California, the the w- lower toilet in the house in like the basement, or maybe it's the house that Ben Affleck that he bought from Ben Affleck. I can't remember what it is. Had one of these toilets, and it's basically like a mechanical grinder. And yeah, it's his friend Malcolm. So for years, Kevin blamed Malcolm for clogging the toilet after Kevin told him not to crap in it, basically, because it didn't work. (laughs) Um, But then uh, Kevin Smith eventually realized he was the one who did it and he just refused to own up to it. (laughs) But yeah, so basically they they have that apparently. So well, on that on that bright note of uh, fecal discussion. Well, let's talk about this beer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Let's 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 review. Let's review the beer. All right. Uh, so you did warn us about it being a lot of head, and I obviously instantly forgot, and I almost spilled, but I sucked some foam <laughs> down, and, uh, and we got it under control. My head was great. Um, yeah. So I <laughs> was got confused that game locked down. I, I thought we had this at Childerberg, but I think now that, you, now that you explained it, we had the other one we talked about, mm-hmm. but I think you showed me a picture of this label. Yes. Uh, that's possible, yeah. Because when, when you sent it, or allegedly sent it to us, and I saw the picture. I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, that's the one from Childerberg." Because I remember seeing that label. But you're right. I think you had just showed me. Oh, also, I have another one. Yeah, that yeah. was that was what yeah. it was. 
Yeah, so I, I actually ordered six of these. I sent uh, three out to people. I drank one. I have this one, so there's another one somewhere. And it's in one of the boxes that we haven't unpacked. Is my Unless I drank it. I might have drank it and forgot I drank it. <laughs> I'm pretty but, sure you did. I think you said when you had at Childerberg, you said you had already had one of the other ones. That's possible. Because okay, I drank one with my sister. I sent each of you one, and I ordered six, and I have one here now. So it's possible I drank one like at another point in time and mm-hmm. just forgot. Uh, well, the, uh, the 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 one at Childerberg was notable because my wife tried some, and she hates anything hoppy, any IPA, and she loved that one. Okay, that's interesting <laughs> yeah, that's right. because so my sister who I who I did an episode that it will be coming out probably after this one. Um, she also tried this, and she thought this was as far as an IPA goes. She thought it was. She doesn't like IPAs either. She much prefers like Hefeweizen or, um, you know, uh, like a like a se- a good session beer, like something like that. She's not really an IPA person. She likes porters and stouts and things, but Hefeweizen's her her go to. Belgians, she loves Bel- Belgians, that sort of stuff. And she tried it. She was like, "This is really good. The upfront is." Uh, and I agree with her on this. Is the upfront is very malty. It it doesn't really have the bitterness up front that you get from a lot of IP, uh, IPAs, and it doesn't have the citrusiness up front. It tastes much more like a standard beer up front, and then you get the IPA flavors on the back end. Hmm. Because up front, I something- thought. I thought I was like drinking 120 minute. And I was like, yeah, so this is super hoppy. This is going to be great. Really? And then it's kind okay, of so that's interesting. Like mellowed out from there. And I was like, I could just yeah, pull out me, 120 minute. Damn it. Yeah. To <laughs> me, it's not as hoppy, but there's an, a really exotic flavor. I can't quite pinpoint that I've not had in an IPA. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, this is going to be the wrong word, but I, I just spent the last minute trying to think up. And the closest thing I could think of was mossy. Mm. Mm. See, I, I, I would describe it as malty. It's very malty. It, it is malty, but the flavor, there's something, yeah. It's yeah, like it's, it's, it's unusual. The label says something uh, piney, I think, herbaceous pine aromas. So maybe that's where I'm getting the, the mossy from, is from the pine. Oh, okay. That makes sense. I don't I don't get the pine as much. It's it's almost a, um, what's that Belgian that we talk about, that Belgian flavor? Uh, there's a certain Belgian yeast. Oh, uh that that's really distinct in a lot of European beers. Okay, see so yeah, at the forefront, I I am getting a little bit of dis, the distinctly European type, but then that 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 woodsiness kind of takes over. Yeah, so and I'm not it, getting to me the, uh, to me that's a really good balance because typically I don't like that Belgian whatever that is. So what's really interesting about what we have described, everyone has described here, is some portion of what the brewers have on their website. So ga- engaging <laughs> no and way. it releases at the same time, but with an excellent balance, sweet malt fragrance and strong hop aromas with clear call back to tropical fruit and refreshing resinous herbal and pine needle notes. The malted oh, profile initially prevails on the taste sweet and caramel leading toward this beer's trademark, the hoppiness. So literally Huh. Every one of us has picked up something else, something nice in that profile. Hmm. Resinous, oh, that's okay. a good word. I don't think I've heard resinous yeah. in any any time. That's a good well, word. One of the things that I find so interesting about this particular beer, and uh, I've been noticing this a lot lately, is that the rest of the world is starting to go like, you know what? America actually has uh, interesting things going on. And so they – so both the um, – 
the techno is and and this one are both american style ipas so they're not ipas done in the, in the traditional british style they're done in the american style which is is different and and has i think added something new to the beer world internationally uh, that they're starting to pick up on and we've seen this kind of in the wine world as well where like old you know back in the 70s and stuff like that when actually there's a really great movie about it but they're uh the French and, and Europeans were always like, well, you know, the Americans can't make anything. And then uh, a British wine merchant who lived in Paris came to America, discovered that America makes amazing wines and brought them to a blind taste testing. And every single one of the judges picked America as the best mm. wine. Huh. And but, uh, bottle shock bottle shock. Mm-hmm. That's it. Oh, yeah, that's bottle shock is good. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good movie, and it's actually it's true. Uh, there's there's some stuff in it that is like that's not exactly. It's got the president of of the United States from Independence Day in it, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and it's got Captain Kirk from the new Star Trek movies in it. What is Chris his Pine. name? I actually just saw him in something Chris, recently. Uh, Chris, Pine. Pine. Chris Pine. Chris Pine. Yeah, that's Bill, it. Uh, yeah, Pullman. Bill, Bill, Bill Pullman. That's it. Yep. Oh, Bill Pullman. Yeah, and then it also has Snape from uh, the Harry Potter Rickman. Mm. Yeah, Alan Rickman. That's right. Yep. Yep. And uh great movie, but a lot of that story is true that like they, the Americans came in and they didn't know that it was American. It was a blind taste testing and they just across the board won like every single category. And all of the European wine tasters were like shocked. And they were also, they were like, well, we don't want you to make this information public. We, we don't like, this is going to reflect really poorly on us. And that's kind of what's going on. I think now with, uh, well, in probably the last several years, and I wouldn't say that they're like as embarrassed as, as they used to be, probably with it because there's not. A, there's, I think there's a lot less snobbery going on in the beer world than in the wine world. I think I think what you're finding in the beer world is it's only the Germans and the Belgians who really give mm-hmm. a shit, and it's the rest of the world is like, no, 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 the Americans know what they're doing, like mm-hmm. they they know what they're doing. Like you guys got to. Why shut is up. that? You think? Because uh, it's ingrained in German law, and then the Dutch have been doing really good beer for a really long time. Because a lot of the like the take that people are seeing on a lot of American beer styles come from like Belgian exploration. They just didn't go down the same line, at least yeah. in my opinion. So there's a lot of like, yeah. you, like when you're well, looking at quads and chapels, like there's a yeah, lot of that flavor profile is in a lot of the American experimentation. Right, and I think that's true to some extent, but I think it's also like you get a lot of the. Uh, like the Germans didn't colonize as much as the British. And so we take some of that tradition and this is what the IPA True. tradition is, is a, and it's about preservation and how do you make your beer last a really long time. And Germans, their preservation method was cold caves where they mm-hmm. can make lagers and the, but the, but the British were making exclusively ales pretty much. And um, they came up with IPAs and, porters and stouts and these different types of ales that have their own preservation methods that are coming from hops or coming from resin and other types of things that that they've discovered how to make them last longer and how that applies to the taste. I mean like Scott like for example Scottish ales up until modern times used uh it's called a clover hoof or something like that that's used to bitter the beer or they used uh pine resin from uh, different types of trees to bitter their beer and preserve it. But hops preserve beer better. And the only reason hops are available in places like Britain and the United States is through trade. But Germany was not as engaged in, in international trade as they had their own hops, 
but they were not engaged in the international trade that Britain was engaged in. And, and the, the beer that was produced out of the, the British and then later on the American uh, experience or whatever was due to international trade, I think. And, and that's kind of how we get the types of beers that we like. It makes sense to me. Yeah. What, what do you think about maybe even the water? You know, people like that are all about New York pizza swear about the New York water. Cause like, I think we have a place that actually imports water from New York city to make their New York style pizza here. Well, that's all. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Like if you have, if you, and, and the, the same is true in California where I'm from, but not from the water standpoint, it, there is a, and and this comes into wine a lot is with terroir is there is a location specific thing. So like bagels from New York are good. And it's because all their water is shipped in to New York city from the mountains in New York. And it has a particular chemistry to it. It's got certain, and and it makes really good bagels, really good pizza crust, really good other stuff in the Bay area in San Francisco. There's a, and this is actually traceable, which the, the water thing's a little bit tricky because you can actually make a chemically similar water elsewhere, but there is a very particular type of yeast in San Francisco. Um, it's a, a type of Brettacacus um, yeast that makes uh, the sourdough bread better, mm. like more soury. It makes the dry cured salami more soury. It makes um, sour beers more sour. It makes things – it just – it totally changes the food. And that's a very location-specific thing. And actually, in, in the Bay Area, this is something that in Napa and in Sonoma, a lot of the wine producers up there really don't want people making sour beers anywhere near them. And they don't want them make, producing sourdough bread. They don't want them producing any of this because the Brettacacus can also get into wine and change the flavor, flavor profile of the wine. That's crazy. Yeah. So I, I what I've been dealing with – I think we talked, we talked a little bit off air, but – I had really bad flu B a couple weeks ago. Uh, I've noticed a, def- a def- definitive change in my palate. I just to uh, establish reestablish a baseline. I've tried some of my old standby, just really good, consistent year rounders. Uh, the other day, Oscar Blues Dale's Pale tasted mm-hmm. awful to me. Like, I, don't get really? me wrong, I drank them all, but did not taste <laughs> good. Yeah, and I fully, I fully plan to rip ass in the studio during this recording and to put his nose to the test. Because if he can't smell a fart, I know he has coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> that, but, makes, but, that makes sense. But yeah, anytime any of your senses are dulled or changed, like it's, it, it's like it's like my existential dread because it's like, am I not experiencing reality? Like anytime they did like the, uh, the blue dress or the white dress or um, what were the words Yanni or Laurel? Like when these splits happen, it, I, I don't, my, I don't know if it's my neuroses, oh, my self-awareness, but I, I almost lose my mind. Like, like I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Why am I seeing the world so differently? You than should other see people? it as an opportunity, though, because you and I have this bad habit of loving the same beers over and over and over, and it's hard for us to branch out. So if your palate actually does change, that's an opportunity to try something new. What if I end up not liking any beer at all? You just gonna, nothing. Are, are you, you're going to switch to wine. No, you're, here's, what, here's, what, here's what's going to happen. I need you to old yeller me out behind the shed. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, and there is there is some degree of like what's interesting too, and and this would come from having a flu for a long time or or the cold or whatever is um they there is part of your taste is is determined by your gut biome. Mm-hmm. So if oh, you're yeah, if absolutely you're, 
Yeah. So if you if you've not been eating for a long time or you've been throwing up a lot and you have you, you have to reestablish that culture in your stomach, it's going to change what you crave. And it's going to change your your like it's it's amazing how much your brain responds to your stomach. Like in the bacteria that's in there that tell like tells you what you want and what you don't want. Mm-hmm. So like when you get this when you get bad gut bacteria, it's telling you we want all these bad foods. And when you have healthy gut bacteria, you you start craving like weird things like broccoli and like like craving broccoli is such a bizarre thing to me, but like at the same time like the like last week or the week before before I started on my crazy fasting trip or whatever, like I was craving raw vegetables. Like wow. and I was like my my something is wrong with my body right now. I'm craving raw vegetables, which either means I don't have enough of it or my gut biome is, is in, in transition somehow, maybe from the water, like our, our water at our new house is different than the water at, at the Dallas house. And, um, like there's other things going on too, like being sick and not being sick and also being like, I also was eating a lot of food at work. Now I'm, now I'm stuck at the house. So I don't get to, I don't get to eat the free food at work. So I'm eating, you know, whatever I make myself, which <laughs> the last several days has been salad, but, um, my work gives free food, but it's it's the cook is the same cook, so basically everything he makes is similar, mm-hmm. and and he's it's, trying it's, to make what's that? I say it's it's almost like there's there's between diet, exercise, gut biome. It's almost like there's there's too many variables to account for. You know, putting these these one size fits all for the entire mm-hmm. populace. Mm-hmm. That's speaking true, which, man. That's so true. Yeah, yeah, and speaking of which. You guys want to get into some of the articles that I picked for today because one size fit all does not necessarily help out brewers, but it could no. help out brewers in other could. ways. Yeah. So yeah, the, smart ones, the smart ones will figure it out. <laughs> well, that's true. So I've got I've got an article from. Um, let's go ahead and start with some of the brewer articles real quick. I've got a article from. Uh, it is from Brewery Association or Brewers Association that talks about. Uh, how the new CARE Act that has been passed, a $2 trillion plan from Congress, uh, you know, $2 trillion is a lot of money, and, and how is that going to impact brewers? Because brewers are greatly impacted by this in different states in different ways. But uh, one of the things with small brewers and with um, small winemakers, to, to kind of play into the theme of our show, is that they rely on foot traffic. This is not really what Budweiser or Coors or um, Co- uh, Copper Cane in the wine industry, what they rely on. They don't rely on foot traffic. They rely on retail sales. And with the small breweries not being able to get the foot traffic, different states have responded in different ways. Uh, we do see some relaxed regulation allowing people to – like some states are allowing people to like get cocktails and drink the cocktails in their car. Pretty or, much Virginia. <laughs> Yeah, Virginia is doing it. Virginia is allowing like curbside pickup of, of beer from breweries and stuff like that. But in a lot of states, it's totally locked down. Like the state where my sister lives, uh, they're they're not allowing alcohol to go right now. And she worked at a at a restaurant called Hopcat, and Hopcat has had to permanently close already. Mm-hmm. And which sucks, you know, for her, she doesn't have a job now. Why? Uh, why permanently? I mean, did they just have? Were their margins? They were, too thin? Yeah, their, their margins were too thin, and they just couldn't. Like they actually, the, that particular restaurant had just become profitable after being open for several years. God. So it was it was very tight. 
and this just killed it. Like they they were doing curbside and to go for food, but their but their main sales thing was that they had like a hundred beers on tap, mm. and that was their that was their big deal. So like, and it's a college town, so like college kids who want to drink different types of beers, and they rotated them. I think they had like thirty on rotation. So, uh, maybe maybe it was set, maybe it was like seventy beers on tap and thirty on rotation. I can't remember exactly. So what there's it was, there's but, no chance for them to recover because I mean. Oh they God. they might still they might be able to but they but because of rent and because of yeah. the, the the lease alone is going to kill you yeah yeah the lease and then like salaries for employees they basically just they told all of their staff they were like look you're all fired right now maybe we'll be able to come back but right now you're fired and right now we'll tell our our the people who own the lease or or who own the building that we're closed and we can't pay the lease. But they're but they were basically like, look, we're gonna see what the government does. Maybe we'll be able to come back because it was a popular restaurant. Like I was, I went there when I was out visiting my sister in Nebraska. Uh, it was packed. Like there was a lot of people there getting beers. Like my sister's specialty when as a waitress and as like a beer person or whatever is that she can give people recommendations on all of the beers that are on tap because she knows them all. And she tries them all. She does samples and stuff like that. And then she can be like, if somebody comes in, they're like, I like Budweiser. And she's like, well, you know what? We don't have Budweiser, but get the fuck out. (laughs) But I've got got this really great, um, this really great lager from X Brewery in in the middle of nowhere in Nebraska, and you're gonna love it because it's very similar. And they're like, oh, let me get that. And then they, then inevitably they do like it. There is no such thing as a great lager. (laughs) Oh, well, yeah, I'm not not a fan of lagers myself, (laughs) but uh, that's that's a shot at. uh, We 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 had some decent ones in uh, actually post Childerberg. We did our beer tour of Austin. And it was surprising how many microbreweries there were doing lagers. German lagers, German hells, Japanese lagers. Oh, interesting. Not, not yeah. my, definitely not my favorite style. They did them well. I was going to say, but they weren't that great. None of them were great. Yeah. There's no right. such well, thing and, as a great lager. Well, and that's sort of the deal is that, so you guys <clears> were able to do a brewery tour of Austin and you were able to, do, and, you know, Mason and I, when I lived in Norfolk, we had what six or seven breweries right around our area. We did a beer crawl there's, once. I was going to say there's like 15 plus right now. Are there 50? Okay. So, yeah, but, but that's like, that's the deal is that we've, we've been talking about this for years is, is the beer market oversaturated with small brewers? And I actually talked about this last night on, on another podcast that I was on and which I cannot recall the name of. So I feel bad. I'm not going to plug it. But uh, <laughs> Was it the one you asked me about? Yeah. Yeah, it's the one I asked you about, and then and then like I forgot about it all day long, and then I was and then like he messaged me, and I was like, "Shit, oh well, <laughs> I'll do it." <laughs> and uh, but uh, so that was kind of thing is, is is the market oversaturated? And it does turn out that like yeah, a lot of breweries are suffering, but there is stuff in the CARES Act that is specifically for them, <laughs> and then there's other stuff that's not specifically for them that will benefit them. So how does the CARES Act affect? Uh, or impact brewers. It says, um, so it requires a small business administration to pay principal interest and any associated fees that, uh, are owed on the, uh, um, on the covered loans for six month period. So basically if any of these small breweries are in debt, the small business administration has to pay that for their fees for them. They have to pay, uh, well, they, they, the, they don't have to pay the principal or any of the fees associated with it for six months. They chose six months, which makes me a little bit worried that 
they expect us to be shut down for six months. No, they, Jacob, you got to think about this. What they're thinking, and I'm not saying that the, you're incorrect there necessarily, but the idea is you're giving them six months because if you think about it, they already had other problems and other debts. That's and true. Sort of things. Yeah. So if you just go, hey, you're back in business, you've been back for a month, time to pay up, motherfucker. Like you're, that's going to kill them. So that's the logic is they're giving them time to get their foot reestablished. Um, it's also the podcast was Trent must talk. Okay. Oh yeah, that's right. Trent yep. must talk. Yeah. Yep. So, so, uh, so the next item that specifically is going to like majorly, imp- these are not necessarily specific for brewers, but they are major impacts to brewers. So it authorizes the small business administration uh, to give uh, companies with under 500 employees loans uh, with the ability to, you know, cover payroll salaries um, or salaries, I guess are part of payroll. Mm-hmm. Um, the more, the mortgages on their facilities, uh, the utility bills and um, any sort of like bills that have been forgiven by, by water or the city, you know, or trash collection or anything like that. That's all going to get, get covered basically by the small business administration. Um, it also so provides basically that the landowners who own this land are getting are going to get a check directly from what the Department of the Treasury or where's this? No, they're, they're the they're the Small Business Administration. Small Business, business Administration actually gonna, issues the check. No, they're going to they, they're going to send the money to the third party, and the third party is going to claim they can't pay it. That's the goal. Yeah, yeah. So that that seems to be the deal. Is that it, it's a it's a weird. Like it's very, I, I honestly like reading a lot of the provisions, even provisions for like in like you and me and and Mason and and um is like I don't know how they're going to get us this money. Like so, supposedly we're all supposed to be receiving like twelve hundred bucks or whatever. As and- long as you don't make a ninety thousand or something like that a year, and then uh, over like a hundred and fifty thousand as a married couple. Well, I think is actually I think they changed it to. Uh, seventy thousand dollars for individuals and one hundred ninety three for married couples. Well, that's the phase out is one hundred ninety eight thousand. It phases oh, okay. out after seventy thousand, and it caps like it, the phase out is complete. I think at ninety. I, I can't remember the specific the specific yeah. specific provisions, but it's yeah, one hundred. But like, what? Well, so maybe you know more than than I do about this. Like, how are they giving us the money? Is it just uh, a check, check or direct deposit? Yeah, it, it'll be a it'll be a like a like a treasury check. Like, um, I rem- I still remember. The uh, the W George W dollars checks yeah I remember that oh. I think I was like twenty two at the time or something it was like just boom here's a yeah you were like way it. older than I thought you were I think we're the, are we are we not the same age I'm thirty two eighty seven oh yeah I'm thirty five almost thirty okay okay yes okay, yeah, so, yeah, okay yeah, so that yeah, makes yeah, sense. I'm yeah, just older yeah Jared's a year old <laughs> he's the old man in this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Yeah. So no, Jacob, they're doing a direct deposit in check, but I don't understand how they're determining who gets direct deposit and who gets check. I think okay, it'll be so probably I, I how read... you file your taxes, right? If you file, yeah, that's, deposit. that's what I, yeah, that's what well, I, what read about those of us who, like, whatever, what, if, oh, every what if you don't file your taxes? Just, uh, <laughs> asking for a friend. If you didn't file an 18, you're not getting a check. I think 18 is the basis here. Okay. Oh, that's so weird. Okay. We'll interesting. call, we'll call it right. even then. yeah (laughs) but 18 i think that was actually the first year that i filed with victoria so we would be okay i guess 
Well, so. she's not a U.S. citizen, so maybe not. I don't know. I don't that know if there's provisions true. for that. I I didn't think about that. That might, but, but yeah. you know, who knows what they're going to do. So anyway, so the next item though on this, well, uh, hey, hang on, position. hang on. Yeah, I, I had a quick aside on the 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 mortgage rent thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like businesses, small businesses that own their property versus rent are going to be in much better shape here. Like the most successful the, brewery yeah. in our area, they. They bought the place part and parcel, a good, yeah. good sized lot, a yard, a big facility. They can they bought it to grow into. They are so well positioned compared to everyone else who's renting, you know, shitty small retail space yeah. where they can only do like a few fermenters at a time. It and I, it all it all depends. It depends on like how this is going to work out because like this is one of those things is like Bernie Sanders and um, Joe Biden are calling for like three months no mortgage no rent payments. And it's like, what oh, about I wanted people? to talk about that. Yeah. Like, what about people <laughs> like myself where it's like, my wife is still working. I'm still working. Like we're literally going out of the house every day, like to work, like we're, we're not impacted in that way. And like, I have a coworker whose uh, sister works in mortgages and they're like talking about reaching out to everybody that's like behind and like telling them like, Hey, we got your back. Like, we're just going to basically leave you alone for three months. And it's like, well, what about all the people who've been making their payments or like me? Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm not right. behind on my mortgage. I'm not behind on any of my student loans. I don't have any credit card debt. So yeah. supposedly, yeah. like, I did everything right. I have, you know, a year's worth of emergency savings. Like, but, you know, well, I And then, and then like, for, like, my, my wife and me, we have our very first <coughs> mortgage payment ever on April 1st. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it's like, on you. Okay. Yeah, so, like, our, like and, and, and we're in the same boat as Mason, like, Neither, I, I can work from home. I'm a software developer. My wife works from home. So like, I, I don't like working from home, but I can. So what is the, what's the deal with that? You know, yeah, there, do, do we get it or do we just continue paying taxes for everybody else? No, you, it's once you again, get, it's too many variables for, for central planning to account for. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that's why the original plan and like, you know, like you see a lot of Thomas Massey's complaints. It's like, we could have sent every taxpayer, you know, $17,000. Nine billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. But, but that's like the funny thing about like Thomas Massey's like he's missing the point, but he's getting at half of it. And and that's the thing with like all these small businesses and like how is it going to impact them? It's like the whole point of like a downturn is to clear the market out of stuff. And like I, I you know, I hate to say this because I have a sister who works in restaurants. My mom worked in restaurants. It's like the restaurant became the fallback for the people who would have worked in supporting large manufacturers and other things like mm. that. People who, you know, they're skilled with their hands so they could assemble products, good chefs, you know, they have like a good sense of like timing and things like that. And like waitresses and stuff like that would have made good secretaries where it's like anticipating the needs of your employer, i.e. the customer. And so like these people have like slowly transitioned from like when we had a building economy to like a, a service economy, it's like, okay, yeah, that's fine. But that's like kind of the thing that's where it's like central planning again. It's like, Oh, we need a national minimum wage to determine things. Like how is it fair that like California hasn't like we have, like you can't measure those two. So like if we just relax the minimum wage and suddenly it's like, Hey, yeah, like, you could come back to work at this restaurant if you're willing to do the job. But, oh, no, people are going to be taken advantage of. It's like, what idiot's going to show up for a dollar <laughs> if it's not going to help them? You know, like, that's right. the thing that's, like, so surprising about all this. It's like, no, we're, we're just going to stop the market from clearing at all 
Yeah. Because well, you know what? we're going to put it on That's pause. interesting, Mason. That's interesting because uh, do you, I don't know if any of you guys ever listened to uh, the Death to Tyrants podcast. Uh, it's Buck, Buck uh, I think his name's Buck Johnson who runs I it. I have. He's, long time okay. ago, though. I haven't l- listened recently. It's good. It's a good show. He recently had on, uh, his name is, uh, I'm going to read it real quick, James Howard Kunstler. <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard that name. <laughs> or maybe Kunstler. I'm not yeah, sure how Kunstler to say it. Let's go with Kunstler. Okay, Kunstler. He he was on and, and Buck was asking him, he was like, you know, what do you what do you see as the ramifications of this? And and his opinion was that we would basically return to a pre nineteen seventies style America where people oh. and, and, and you can actually see this already happening. Gold standard. Is, <laughs> no, not not necessarily gold standard, although possibly with the dollar collapsing. But he says that the debt economy that has existed since the 1970s has basically forced everybody into cities and or has right. facilitated yes. them living in suburbs. Yes. Because 100%. of the of how expensive it is to maintain the highway system. And so he says, like, they've got this highway system being maintained that is astronomically expensive. I, I didn't realize this until he went over the numbers, but like skyscrapers are ridiculously expensive to maintain. Mm-hmm. Yep. And commercial so he was real going, estate makes oh, like no fucking insane. sense. It, it's yeah. insane. So he was saying what he thinks is going to happen. And, and actually, since I heard him say that, I've actually been looking at it, is that you do see people leave. Now, whether it's permanent or not permanent, we'll see. You, you do see people leaving LA, leaving New York, leaving San Francisco, leaving Seattle, and, and you know, trying to get out into the country or suburbs or whatever, if they have the ability to do that, because the lockdown in these big cities is, is much more severe and it's much more difficult for them. So, you know, you, we see this with Dave Smith, Dave Smith is like in upstate New York or Connecticut or somewhere like that. Like he left and went and stayed with his, uh, in-laws. I didn't He's talking about getting out of New York altogether. Yeah, I heard that on his last show and I I was like, well, come down, come down to Dallas. But at the same time, like I'm the Childerberg. Yeah, yeah. In in this actually, you'll never want to leave. It's not a cult. Well, yeah, yeah. And and like my ultimate plan is for is Childerberg Town yeah. is to yeah. is to get yeah is to get land and and to actually like get it started and going and like even if it's a temporary community like Greenhorn in Oregon or whatever. I'm but, there. I'll, I'll be I'll be the gardener. Sure, go. For, I, I mean, that's cool. Like, I've got I've got people lined up for different jobs and stuff like that. It would be a crypto economy, and we would we would figure it out. But Anyways, but what what this guy was saying is he says that like the 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 world that we live in currently is needs to be rearranged because right now we have these hyper focused city lives where everybody's congregating around these mega cities. Like I mean, like Dallas Fort Worth is I mean it's, it's a, and it's it's a mega yeah it's like it's almost it's a mega city. People. Let's be honest, yeah, it's a mega. Yeah. Yeah, it's eight million people. You've got Houston, which is like pushing uh, eleven million. Chicago's eleven million. New York is pushing twenty million in the metroplex. Uh, LA is is pushing like sixteen or seventeen million. And then you got Tokyo, one hundred million people. Yeah, but but look at but also look at the Japanese government, the Japanese mm-hmm. economic system right China. now. They're also heavily debt laden, and um, so. So this guy was saying he's like he's like people don't really think about this a lot, but a lot of this, a lot of our situation right now is that we are heavily debt laden. the The debt is what drives these concentrations in large cities, and that over time, if if this actually is the collapse of the dollar and stuff, is that people will move out of the cities and and the cities will will densify basically. Is that they'll stop being suburban cities and they'll densify. Like Dallas is certainly a, a suburban city. 
So, and basically what it will happen is that you'll see some population move more dense into the middle of the city where there's actually good economic activity going on. And then you'll see the rest of it, the suburban areas evaporate or reform into small towns like they used to be. Like we've, like I live in Arlington now and Arlington used to be a small city. Grape, uh, Grapevine is, is north of here. That used to be a small city. And, and But they because of urban sprawl, they've all basically been connected to Dallas and Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. So, and that's what they what this guy is saying is he says I see this people basically dense becoming be more dense into small towns, and those towns will be formed around some sort of economic activity that makes more sense than the financial markets. So, like so much of our so much of the downtown in Dallas is Bank of America, Chase, like those types of of buildings where there's these huge skyscrapers and their financials. But the financials are not actually making anything, and they're not really doing much other than moving debt around. Yep. You know, a hundred years, you know, not even a hundred years ago, fifty years ago, they were actually doing something. But after the gold standard was ended, when Bretton Woods was ended, uh, those companies became much more of a of a moving debt around and and taking the money from the Federal Reserve and putting it back into the economy and stuff like that. And that's how those those industries existed. And now he thinks we're going to go away from this. And and what does that mean? You know, for the beer and wine industry, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll see, we'll, we'll kind of get into that a little bit more into the, in, I have a, I have a wine article about this and then we'll finish, let's go ahead and finish this well, brewery so let's, article let's, actually. Let's take or, a step back real quick and, and okay. think about this real quick. Before prohibition, there was all these hyper local breweries. There was, we, we recently surpassed the number of breweries that was before uh, at the height before prohibition back when there wasn't this huge financial debt regulation. So it's quite possible that there would actually be even more breweries if debt wasn't so much of an issue because you would have to go out to ensure like, you know, this current focus of like, make sure your favorite restaurant stays open. Make sure you order from once a week, even though carry out is like nickels, like they don't make any money on it. And that's why so many of them have, you know, so many of the places have allowed the rush through of takeout, booze basically is because that's where they make the money. So like realistically, no, we would see an explosion of alcohol. Cause like it's the sin. That's the kind of thing in depressions it's alcohol, tobacco. And um, I forget the other one, like gambling, uh, basically. gambling, yeah, yeah. I think gambling. Yeah. So everybody buy MGM stock. <laughs> that's actually, that's what's interesting. You mentioned that that's something I've been thinking about buying is MGM. Yeah. Is, uh, Cause their stocks low, but gambling does well in a downturn. And, I mean, yeah, the, exactly. uh, the, I was just reading oh, about the move on gambling, though, is to to esports actually. Well, so, so I don't know if MGM is involved with that at all, but I was I was reading, and as soon as uh, casinos and sports stopped, there were people like urging teenagers to play Madden online so they could gamble on it. Like, yeah, not wow. even not even necessarily play; just they wanted people to set up like simulations where they would just watch the CPU the CPU play against itself and gamble on these outcomes. No way. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. The, the people who sport bet, let's do like, it. Let's invest. That is a huge thing. Yeah. So, I mean like, and that's one of the things about, you know, great ideas about Childerberg town is basically running like unlocalized servers, basically to be able to, you know, process transactions and things like that. Cause that's one of the big things is what I'll, what happened with a lot of the, 
when they banned e-gambling, basically, like in the United States, is a lot of people are like, well, we'll just move to the Dominican Republic for the surfers, where like they don't give a crap. And then they threatened to cut off the entire, like, in, in right. Dominican Republic, I'm just picking it random, and I don't think it was necessarily them. But they're like, yeah, we'll cut you out of the SWIFT system, mm-hmm. which means, like, you won't be able to process financial tra- transactions that involve U.S. dollars for yeah. allowing gambling. Yeah. Well, and the, yeah, and that's true. And actually, uh, I, I when I was on the Rolo and Slappy show, uh, um, Slappy was talking about this a little bit. Is that he used to be mm-hmm. really into online poker? Yeah, and he and he he actually brought that up. He said like when when the government started cracking down on online poker, uh, everybody was like, "Well, we're just going to ignore them. We're going to just move off into the you know the Cayman Islands or whatever, or Dominican Republic." Or, I, I don't I don't remember what he said, but he said like the problem was that nobody did that, but now. We have Bitcoin, mm-hmm. and and Bitcoin is easier to transact, and it's it's much more volatile. It's more volatile than the U.S. dollar currently. But with them injecting two trillion dollars from Congress and four trillion dollars from the Federal Reserve, maybe it's not as volatile. But we'll see what happens with it. Yeah, I mean, we'll see how much they actually spend, and because that's the bigger question. And I think, like, kind of the crux of all of this is, you know. Like, let's say that, you know, Trump is calling it like saying like two weeks from now, that'll be where he's predicting the peak. Let's say he's right. And yeah, it's going to suck. But are they really going to find a way to spend that money in that time? And then are people going to be able to claw back like some of these insane entitlement things that they did in there? It's like, you know, supposedly, and I'm not sure it's in the final bill that passed, but they were talking of like, you know, $775 million to the Kennedy Arts Center. It's like burn it to the ground. Do you really, do you really think that they're not going to be able to find a way to spend it all? I mean, honestly, well, no, I, I see the, the the bigger thing is like, and this is one of those things that the Trump administration has kind of been pretty impressive about on being lazy. Is you know, like I think there's still positions he hasn't filled, right? And like that's since just his, cut, yeah, since he yeah. took the presidency. Yeah, and that's just cut down on the overall spending in the government. So like it's more there's more spending in the Pentagon and things like that, yes. But I think that's what's gonna happen is you're gonna see a lot of this money like and they're just because the Trump administration is basically like, Yeah, we're not gonna do the oversight. We're not gonna bother with that. And I think that's because the Trump administration just doesn't think they're going to end up having to spend all this money. So I think that's what's going to happen with Trump is he's going to be like, look, you know, Congress earmarked, you know, 20 trillion or $2 trillion in the Fed, you know, spent, you know, had all this other money, but this is how much we actually spent. I think that's going to be part of like, I think that's part of his plan for the reelection campaign is to be like, yeah, we got all this money through, but we didn't need to spend it. I think that's what he's going to put, like put forward. And then if like the economy is still dragging, then he's going to say, oh, and we can spend the money. From a purely like political marketing, not that I not not that I'm a you know a, a political marketing person, but I don't see that being able to be sold well to the common voter. Well, I he think- won't he won't have to. His plan his his campaign plan just basically has to be uh, look at this look at this Alzheimer's patient next to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. before, before that all went down with Joe Biden, who's probably going to die. It'll ultimately be, it'll be Bernie Sanders. Don't not, worry about you don't it. Think it. No, it'll be Hillary. Bernie. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's the thing. Yeah, I, I'm not, so. I'm not a hundred. So. I think it'll be whoever he picks as his VP, which could be. Tulsi? A, no, 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 no. I still she, think it, I, yeah. Tulsi has a chance still. No, I think they already showed her the, uh, her, her family under a drone 
She, yeah, there's weird, like, there's oof. actually a lot of stuff where, like, different people where, like, I used to have a lot of respect for them, and then, like, something happens that, like, Thomas, uh, not Thomas Massey, uh, Amash, like, yeah. stuff that he's been doing, I'm like, there's something going on with him, like, they... It's amazing how much respect yeah. you can lose yeah. for a person when they endorse Biden. Yeah, yeah like, exactly. Amash is like, Trump, like, fucked his wife or something. Like, what's his deal? Yeah, exactly. Like, something weird happened with that, where they're like, they're like, we want you to be against him, and because you have the respect of, like, you know, normie constitutionalist people were going to, uh, will like torture your parents or something, or well, may- maybe it was a serious thing. May- I'm not maybe, sure. Maybe he's thinking like he's going to play the long game. And maybe he thinks as a president, like Biden will get less done because the Republicans will be so against him. So he's like thinking like kind of 4d chests, like, Oh, Trump's going to keep ramming this nonsense through. So I've got to be against him and I want Biden. Cause he's going to be a weaker enemy. That and makes sense. I, I, I honestly, at this point, cannot fathom what goes through the mind of anybody seeking public office. Like I'm, yeah, at a complete <laughs> loss. yeah, yeah. It, it's 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 wild. But well, it's, it's like Rand Paul. Like the stuff that he chooses to do and not do, like it's like yeah. you really could gunk up the works if you just wanted to. And you at can this point, I think president. he just got tired of doing eye procedures. He's like, hey, there's a way easier, higher paying gig I can do besides fixing people's eyes. <laughs> and I'm piggyback yeah. off my dad, <laughs> right? Yeah, and I mean, you know, he does. He he. I'm sure he's doing well. Um, yeah, but like I'm I mean, sure that, he has some principles, but I I don't think he's yeah. got the conviction. But at like all. I think I think there's two things that are going to happen. If Biden announces his VP candidate before he dies, if he does die in this attempt, um, it depends on how strong the nomination is. Like if he goes, yeah, like I'm, if he's putting like Kamala or Pete or somebody like that, <laughs> that's going to be the candidate. But if he yeah, goes out of left Kamala. field and like true Biden, like insanity goes like, and it's Tulsi Gabbard. And then that's going to be like, no, no, they're going to kill corn him. pop. Yeah. No, no. How <laughs> corn, <laughs> corn pop. What if he gets up there and great. he goes, it's Colin Powell. Oh, just, oh my gosh. No be way. <laughs> Yeah. Just completely out of left field, Colin Powell rolls out. It's just like you know that they're killing Biden, and it's just going to be Powell John McCain. Against Trump. I thought Colin. Yeah, speaking of, I <laughs> no, thought John Colin McCain's Powell mother. was dead. I thought he died. <laughs> Who? I thought I, that, Colin that, that's died. why I made the John McCain joke because I was like, surely he's dead, right? Con- Condi uh, Col- no, Col- Colin Powell's alive. He's yeah. old, but yeah, but yeah. I mean, so so is Joe Biden. So, but that but that's barely. the thing is like it's either going to be somebody he actually ran against that he didn't have a lot of friction with. Or it's going to be this left field, like weird, but you can get it. It's not like he's going to, he's not going to run Tim Kaine or somebody like that, but like, he might be like, it's Gavin Newsom, you know, somebody where you're like, I get it. I could see why you would go with that. (laughs) No, no, no. Elon Musk. He wasn't even born. I legitimately legitimately think that Joe Joe Biden might make Tulsi his running mate. I I, I legitimately. When, when he. I do. When he, um, when she supported him at the end there. That was so shocking. Well, it's not, it shouldn't be that shocking because I guarantee I know, her campaign I know, but I'm, called the. I'm a sucker for pretty women. I really yeah. am. But no, no, no. So the, I'm, I'm not saying anything against her. What I mean is I think she called Bernie and said, well, clearly I'm going to endorse you. And I think he goes, no, no, no. I'm playing this for VP at this point. Like, I think he thinks he's either playing for the VP spot or he's playing for this way outside baseball thing. And he's just like, no, 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 go, go, go endorse Biden. Like, don't worry about it. Like, no, I, I think, well, 
I mean, the whole thing that happened with Bernie in 2016 has to be telling, right? Like the DNC, the DNC is remarkably powerful, right? Right. Well, I they mean, shot that's Seth what's going, that's what's going on they, here. They made it yeah, seem like I mean, he well, shot himself. Well, Did you say Seth Smith? Yes, <laughs> I agree. I mean, yeah. does anybody have any doubt that Seth Smith died because of the DNC? Rich. Whether yeah. I'm sorry, Seth, Seth Rich. Yeah. Seth Rich. Yes, Seth Rich died because of the DNC. I don't think anybody doubts that, right? That's what happened. Um, I'm pretty sure the person who Michael Malice on his podcast this week thinks that Seth Rich wasn't murdered by the DNC, but who? Who was that? Oh, oh that I didn't hear that. Yeah, yeah. she. It's like, actually a good episode. It's a great episode, but like she has these weird like political disconnects where you're kind of like, like I appreciate the fact that Malice didn't hammer her on them, but there's a lot of them where you're like, no. He's a really he at least she's a murderer. Like, like yeah, it was it was Jessica Tarlov. Yeah, because, Tarlov. listen, he probably I, sniffed her hair at least. <laughs> <laughs> I just keep hoping he like that, like starts dating British fetishy, so I could just hear the two of them on a podcast all the time. I think they're hilarious <laughs> together. So that would be a good, yeah. Uh, like so. Anyway, I think the DNC is. Um, I don't know, man. I, I think they're incredibly powerful. I think but, more powerful but, than most people realize. But that's and, one of those things. It's like the DNC is really powerful, but I don't think the RNC is any less powerful. And that's what's creepy. And that's where really? like, well, I, see, but, I, I disagree. I think I think that they the lost, DNC. Yeah, they the had DNC to bow to Donald great, Trump. They, they did, did not want yeah. Donald Trump and they had to bow to him. But no, that's the thing is they could have chosen. They, so this is the thing about the RNC. They weren't going to allow four years of Clinton. Like there, there was something about what she was actually going to do that their hawks told them like, no, no, no. Like the wars we've been pushing on you guys, we're just doing that for the money. But you see the other side of the coin, right? What the DNC, (laughs) what the DNC conceded in Trump is what the RNC would have conceded with Bernie Sanders. It's the exact same thing. It's just that, it's just that the DNC didn't give in and the RNC did. And they have, I think on, on a, on definitely, and you can see this in the way that local elections play out is that I think on a local and state level, the RNC does have a lot of cohesion state by state. Mm -hmm. I think on a national level, they don't. And I think that there's a lot of internal fighting and stuff like that when it, when it comes to the RNC, which is why you saw a lot of uh, never Trumpers going for Hillary. Yeah, and- but like I, I I seriously think after the Bush Cheney poll, like I think like this is one of those things about the RNC is like I think they kind of people think of them as the bumbling uncle, like oh they just don't know what they're doing. No, they know exactly what they're doing. Yeah, the they're, like they're they like didn't autistic to the core. They they're, they're they, they ran McCain like they ran McCain to make it so that they never had to deal with him again. Well, and like, I think that, but <laughs> you have to remember, you have to remember that there's a difference though between historically between the RNC and the DNC. The RNC is a coalition party, and it mm-hmm. always has been, and it's a coalition between weak libertarians, conservatives, and neoliberals. Well, yeah, Israel basically, yeah, <laughs> yes. And the but the DNC is, has had a continual cohesion since the early 1900s in the progressive movement, and it's always been that. And I think the difference is that they never had to make a coalition. Whereas the is the RNC is the opposition party. It it because we don't have a multi party system, we have a two party system. 
well, I guess that's multi, but we don't have a I know more than like two the, party the Demo- system. The, yeah. the Democrats are the default party. The RNC is the challenger. Exactly. And it, and it has been for a hundred years. And, and I think that, that that's the, the difference is, and you see this through RNC history is that they do pick up other factions over time. And whereas the DNC does not, the DNC is always the DNC and it has, and it's always progressive and they are always fighting with the extreme progressive versus the old progressive. Mm-hmm. They, they make new genders and then they get those guys too. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I think that's the difference. The difference between the two parties is that you that the challenger is is the Republicans, and the but they're but the Republicans are also full of former Democrats. Yeah, they they are, and that's one of those things. But like one of the things I kind of like, I know it is a throwback of throwbacks. So you've got to look at like the Richard Nixon level RNC, like. There are people that have been in there and in the background for a long time. I think what the thing with the RNC is they don't let people get that far. Like, whereas the Democrats, like, because they're fighting amongst each other at so many levels all the time, there's chances for people like Bernie to get in and like do a bunch of damage. Whereas like Trump, the only thing that the only reason I think they really coalesced around him even the way that he did is because he went, I will pay for my own run and mm, you yeah. can use, which he didn't the- actually end up doing. But- no, no, no. Because, <laughs> but that's the thing is like, he didn't think- need to. Yeah. And he didn't need to exactly because of the- he didn't need to, but I think that's the other point is like the RNC, like also really weirdly didn't put forth a lot of candidates like, and they lost a lot of stuff. They lost the house. And like, I think that's one of those things is where, like, I think that's where like the RNC actually chose to lose the house and have Pelosi come back as a hedge against Trump from him being able to ram through any legislation he wanted after that first two years where they were like, okay, they're going to trip him up with this Russiagate crap. And that's going to take a while and we'll lose the house, but we will not lose the Senate. So we can make it look like we're trying stuff all the time. Cause that's kind of their perpetual position of like, Oh, we don't have enough, even though they had the full House and Senate with Trump and they were like handed this on a platter and they could have just been like, no, the investigation's over. That's bullshit. These people are going to jail for the rest of their life in the FBI, but they chose not to. They chose to let it happen to undermine Trump. Like, I don't think he won that. I think they've just played this like really 4D chess against him. And we'll see in this next run, if he wins it, I think that's when he's going to go out and just be like, yeah, we're out of Iraq. We're out of Somalia. He's just going to literally, I don't think, you know, I hope he does this. And obviously I don't know for sure, but I think if he wins, he's just going to be like, nope, we're done. We're out of Afghanistan tomorrow. We're out of Iraq. We're and just literally pick up and leave. Cause he's just going to be like, what are you going to do? Like, I think well, he's I mean, going to get shot with a heart again. attack gun. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. Right. Well, that's true. That could be. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. He'll, he'll be assassinated if he wins. I think. I don't think so. Like, I think that's one of those ones where, like, I think that's when the Republicans are going to be like, no, 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 we can play dirty now. We don't have to let this guy win again. And Mm. he's still got his own money. Because I think that's the thing the RNC perpetually fears is underfunding. Whereas the Dems are like, no, 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 we'll we'll get enough money. We've got enough money. Look at all these billionaires who show up. All right. Well, let's let's bring this back around to to, (laughs) the topic because we've gone like totally off. So like the last item in that – in that article, so as everybody recalls, we were talking about the benefits for breweries or small brewers. And um, so the last item was uh, provides emergency grants of up to $10,000 uh, 
to provide immediate relief for small businesses who have applied or are applying for economic injury disaster loans. So that those are the those were the main items. There's there's several minor items, but I'll put it in the show notes so that we don't you know we don't really need to talk about it. But these are the things that are supposedly going to help small breweries. And I think that this is actually kind of transitions pretty well into the other article that is about swine small swine small oh, wine making. On like that article, there is one I'd like to 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 talk about. Sure, sure, <laughs> okay. The very last one that says provides a temporary exemption from excise tax for alcohol use to produce hand sanitizer. Yep. So, yeah. uh, you know, those those breweries that don't want to... Pro- distilleries. <laughs> yeah, and distilleries that don't want to produce, uh, you know, alcohol. Well, they've been doing it for, for publicity's sake. Th- there have yeah. been a bunch, yeah. I, I've also yeah, been, yeah. Yep. been telling everyone that'll listen when they say, hey, good thing the, uh, the liquor stores are considered essential, right, in our lockdown. It's like... It's because that's of why. the taxes. That's why. The, yep. the, the right. city, county, state can't use <laughs> the liquor tax. That's why they're considered essential. Well, we went to a liquor well, store I thought the other day. Just they didn't want their, and, the public to riot. Yeah, exactly. Well, maybe that too. Yeah. Well, my brother, my brother and I went to the liquor store the day before our mandatory lockdown. And we, we thought for sure that the liquor stores wouldn't be on that list. And we go in there and the guy's like, don't worry, we're not shutting down. We'll be wide open. And it pure liquor store, right? There's no groceries, no essential goods whatsoever. <laughs> and he's like, well, we don't really know why, but we think it's because, you know, for, for a true alcoholic, um, you know, it would be, it would be a life or death situation if, if alcohol, you know, was no longer available. And we thought, okay, well, that's a fairly good example, but I mean, they could just make it clearly. This is bureaucratic, right? They could let you uh, operate your own still. They could legalize private stills. Is that what the case? Oh, that'll never happen. You know that. Well, for you sure. know you can in our state. No, no, no. It's I know. up to one barrel. I think a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's not enough. Oh, for you can't sell. It. I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You can brew as that's much not as you want here. Reason. Oh shit. <laughs> the, there, there's, there's obviously other underlying reasons. It's not well, about it, yeah. So, well, actually I, I, caring I think for that's people. True. Yeah, well, I think Virginia, that's true. And I, I, stores owned by the state, so yeah, that's for sure the reason they're not cutting it off. That's true. And well, but, and I also think, I think that the part of that is true that like, you know, they do actually, a lot of alcohol policy is, does revolve around alcoholics. Um, you know, one of the, one of the things that Mason and I brought up several so the times. People who are very, very the rude. What's that? I said the, the people who are passing the law, they're alcoholics. So, well, that could be, or yeah. they're at least addict, addicted to the subsidies, but they're, um, but the, ah. the, the deal is that, um, like Mary Ruert had 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 something about this in Healing Our World. She used to work on uh, additives to liquor that would help people survive liver disease or or reduce the risk of liver disease. But the government has made a policy that they don't want to send a message that uh, these additives would be good for people to drink alcohol and that they would be able to continue to be alcoholics. Mm. So it does affect policy in different ways and. Um, one of the things, though, is that if you look at you know crises in, in history or whatever, they never shut down liquor stores. And I think a lot of it, I think a lot of it does have to do with uh, alcoholics. I think a lot of it do also medicine, has to do man. with it's a medicine. It is. It, it really is. It's like, what are you going to do when you're like right now? What am I? What am What am I supposed to do for five days working from home where I can't go out anywhere? Existence and, is pain, and this yeah. is medicine. <laughs> Right. Yeah. It, 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 I mean, like liter- literally, I mean, it legitimately is like, I've actually drank less wine in the last several days than I've drank in a long time. But at the same time, I think if I was still on my old diet and all that sort of stuff, like 
I would probably be drinking two or three bottles a day because <laughs> like it, I, I don't have anything else to drink other than water. Usually when I'm at work, I drink Monsters and oh, and yeah. it's free. That's 400 yeah. calories right there. No, the, the sugar-free Monsters. So oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and they provide it to us at work for free. So like I get there, I get free coffee, then I get free monsters, then I get free lunch, then I get another free monster, and, and this then is, I get another free this coffee. Is, this is why he's going to a 400 calorie diet. Yeah, he's like, yeah. Uh, I, I'm not going to say that you are fat or getting fat, but I think if you are, I know the reason. Well, this yeah. is oh, why no, there's it, people it, that it uh, certainly is. There's people that are like in perpetual poverty because there's people that have regular ass near minimum wage jobs. And they purchase all the things that you mentioned every day. They buy monsters, they buy lunch, they buy monsters again, and lotto tickets. And like that's over half the daily salary. Then their taxes, and they have they have zero savings. They have nothing. They have no assets. They have nothing. And that's where that's where all of this this government intervention is going to prey upon is is those vast millions. Well, yeah, and so actually to kind of get into into that in the wine industry, so tasting rooms across the country are closing, and a lot of the tasting rooms do employ uh, low-wage workers or minimum-wage workers uh, because it, it's not really a very complicated thing. You basically just have to be able to tell people about the wine and stuff like that, and they do rely a lot on tips. You got to um, not so- lose your, your one corkscrew. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, right, right. Uh, so some wine- wineries are coping by re- – this is an article that I got from Wine Business um, – which I'm trying to remember what it is. Yeah, so wine business. It's uh, it was printed by I guess the wine Wine America, which is some sort of lobby group in Washington. Well, hang on, uh, but, real quick. Yeah, Will, don't you have to bail to like dodge the? Gestapo? Yeah, I was gonna say it's almost nine o'clock. Uh, I think I'll be all right. For a little all right. He's, gonna, <laughs> well, he's gonna break the law, folks. <laughs> all right. <laughs> So this one is uh, so they basically they say that some wine wineries are uh, wineries are coping uh, by trying to do like um, online sales and uh, and pick up and drop off wine sales and stuff like that. But it's really it's really minuscule compared to their normal traffic and their normal sales. Uh, so despite the alternatives available, wineries, uh, most very small family owned wineries, um, are uh, experiencing hardships. So. There, a survey was sent out by Wine America, which I said was a lobby group, and uh, they came up with these statistics from the 1,004 wineries that they surveyed that uh, normal employment amongst those was 11,043. They've had to lay off 4,496 people. Um, the normal annual visitors is about 26 million, and the number of canceled events is 4,582. And wow. so their their um, unanticipated expenses, so additional expenses to the wineries as a result of this closure and shutdown and all that, is uh, eight hundred forty thousand collectively. And the total financial losses in March due to the Corona issues uh, is about forty million, forty million five hundred thousand roughly. And uh, so when they when they go through this, they say that because if the survey is accurate, which they they're not saying it is, they say this is a survey amongst voluntary surveyors. If that is accurate, then they could multiply it by a factor of ten to cover all of the small wineries in the United States. And um, so you know, thinking about that, that's by a factor of ten, that's almost four hundred million dollars in lost sales. And that's for nothing, a, can't they? Uh, can't the Fed just 
print that off and give it to well, them? Well, they, they, they are going to be getting subsidies, similar ones that the, the, the brewers are getting. Um, but for many small businesses and producers, like the loss is pretty staggering. And because of the bureaucracy that's involved with a lot of these sub- like these subsidies, there's a lot of bureaucracy involved and a lot of them just don't qualify. Typically with subsidies, what ends up happening is they may be targeted for small wineries, but they end up or, – or any small business, but they end up getting consumed by regional businesses instead of small businesses. So – How do you mean um, – like a regional business would be like a like a a chain that exists in four states, rather than a single mom and pop shop. So but there aren't really because, chains in with wineries. Not too no, much. there's not. There's not. So they may they may end up getting this, but a lot of times there's medium sized wineries which are conglomerates in California. Yeah, and that is somebody who operates multiple wineries in Napa or multiple wineries in Napa, Sonoma, and Southern California. Oh yeah, you know that quite kind of thing. That. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's these and Copper Cane's a good example of this. Copper Cane pretty much operates in California, but they they buy grapes from Oregon, they buy grapes from Southern California. They they are they are large and they do make a lot of money, but because each one of their individual brands is a small winery, they're the ones who can navigate the legal loopholes and get this money fast. Whereas, you know, Joe Schmo in Hill Country in Texas, who's about to shut down, he can't afford to pay a lawyer to go through all of the legal mumbo jumbo to get this stuff. That and that's typically what happens with subsidies to farms or to to brewers or small businesses or whatever, is that the the legal costs of getting the money only make sense when you're medium or large. So the small and, and guys people, are are just up a creek. Up yeah, they they get they get yeah they, exactly they get railroaded and it it becomes very difficult for them and um so hopefully that won't be the case this time uh but because you know those people did pay taxes and their their money was taken from them for years and years and years in m- many cases but and we'll see we'll see what happens if if I was hazard a guess and, and Mason you may have a different guess of this I think we're gonna see uh in the next couple of months large or what I would call a large producer, maybe medium-sized producers um, purchasing a bunch of small ones. So like here in Texas, we have Iano Estacado and we have, oh, uh, yeah. so we have, we have a couple of different producers yeah. that are pretty large and they may start buying property from these small producers who just couldn't make it through this. And, and at a premium too, because. Which is exactly what government does, by the way, government makes it uh cost prohibitive for the the small guy to succeed and and what do you what are you forced to do in that situation you're almost always forced to either sell to a, a competitor essentially or yeah. just close up shop altogether and give your market share to your competitor anyway yeah yeah exactly because they're 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 oftentimes in a position to be able to do it and and they also often have faster access to capital than the small especially new capital. So this is this is cash injections into the economy. It's new capital. It's worth money now, but it may not be in 3 months. It may not be worth as much in 3 months. But I'm just saying any anything forget forget the the political angle of it, right? Anything right. that is a threat to small business, the small the small guy in the room. If if a if that happens, if if that threat, that thing, if it happens, those are the two only two outcomes, right? Close up shop and give your market share away for free or sell to your, a competitor who yeah. is going to swallow up your competition and 
uh, essentially uh, re- reduce competition within the marketplace, which moves you closer and closer to a monopoly, yeah. which is the opposite of what a market does. So right. the government inherently, every single time they introduce a spending bill or a stimulus package or a, a regulation, uh, you know, a regulatory piece of legislation of any kind, that's the outcome. And yeah. that's ultimately what all this is about, right? Our podcasts collectively and individually, what we rail against is the fact that you are harming yourself as an individual when you harm the small businesses that make your community tick. Right. And that's exactly what's happening with this. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that, and that does seem to be the case is that when we come out on the other side of this, like Trump, while, while we were talking, I, I, it may have come out earlier, but I noticed it when I looked at Twitter real quick. Um, they, uh, he announced that this may be going until April 30th now instead of instead of april 12th which was kind of the original guidelines or whatever and and as good as trump is you know a lot of a lot of well i I say someone we need the sound effect drop for the record scratch as what (laughs) i was about to say is trump's biggest fans what they what they proclaim him to be good their best wet dreams yeah those are pretty good he's a he's a business guy right he's he's good at money stuff he's good at moving money and and he's good at investing money and he's a he's a business guy that's 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 right. their whole thing but he's good at giving directions to lost little boys in the hotel lobby yeah right <laughs> right. <laughs> right i i, well, yeah, I understand exactly. that reference i know that reference it's uh home alone two One. original is it two I don't remember which one it was. Well, my point is, do you think that he understands the importance, you know, of the small business? Because he's he's this, you know, monolithic uh, real estate mogul. Has he ever ran a small business? I, I mean, seriously. Has I, ever, I mean, has legitimately. He ever acquired a small I'm business? I'm sure he has, but he has, what, hundreds of bankrupt businesses. He surely doesn't understand the importance of small businesses, decentralization, competition, I, I, what I really think he understands is uh, big finance. When, yeah. when it that that's what I think Trump understands is big finance. He doesn't understand Russian that all of the, the, the fucking CARE Act <laughs> and all this bullshit. What it's really going to do is reduce competition, increase monopolization of the the beer industry, wine yeah. industry, every single industry out there. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's going to monopolize it. Nothing else. Surely yeah. he understands that. I think well, this, this, I, don't, the small, I don't know that he does. He doesn't. That's what I'm oh, he saying. Doesn't. He doesn't. I think the small no, brewers yeah. and growers. I think, I think they're actually if they're the smart ones are going to be well positioned. This is the perfect time to start barrel aging some of your stuff. This yeah. is the time yeah. to start brewing pra- your own shit. No, I'm saying well, pra- and, and, pra- and, yeah. packaging yeah. Uh, your special editions. Like this is our employee assistance oh, quarantine edition so it's covid like, edition so it's like 40 dollars a bottle they recoup their lost costs people it's it's like a half donation you're half a marketing purchase. whiz this man. is like pre-selling been a big this guy. is like pre-selling the barrels like you could be covid yeah, 19 covid yeah. 19 edition yeah. how many of those are we going to be drinking in the next few years <laughs> well and and they may be able to do that but a lot of time you know texas is a good example of this is that te- like texas wine is not really outstanding like i wouldn't say it's not outstanding i think there's a lot of really good producers here but it's not it's not established and so things like this really impact places that need foot traffic in order to do it and then they may be able to do stuff like you know uh 
Mason and I talked about how Rowdy was Rowdy was basically making pretty good online sales. Uh, Ricky doesn't really produce anything yet, so he's not losing anything by what's going on. So he there is going to be that kind of thing. But it is it is like you know in in the wine world, beer is a little bit different. But in the wine world, you do have a much longer horizon. So if you don't have cash flow now, then that's a, that's an issue. And you know, fair enough. They they probably should have planned for this, and a good and a good entrepreneur would have. Well, but non- the problem is that we. You What's that? Have. So no. Th- so this is what I want everybody to understand. It's not that these people aren't good entrepreneurs. They're not entrepreneurs. They did not see a market place that they were going to fill. For the most part, they saw cheap capital, i.e., cheap oh. debt that they got from the Federal Reserve. And they went into yeah, business. Yeah, None yep. of these businesses that are failing, like going, like the business I work for, not laying anybody off. Like we're actively trying to find ways to reduce our customers' bills to us because, like, we've got plenty of cash and we've been going strong for thirty-five years. Like, and we we started with a small debt loan, but like we've never carried debt on the business. Like most of these businesses, they're not good entrepreneurs. They started off with this idea of I can get a lot of debt. And find a business, yeah. and that's one of the things. Like, well, that's part of part of mm-hmm. the issue, though. With that, is that that is that's the mel you. Yeah. So there are going to be exceptions to that, but it. But the thing is, is that's not ending. It's just that that's now being concentrated on a mm-hmm. higher level. Yeah, so, it's it's being ingrained in American business now. It's like a backstop. Like, yeah, well, you don't have to. Well, be good and, at and actually, on on yeah, on several other podcasts, you know, David Stockman talked about this. Tom Woods had a couple of economists and stuff that talked about this as well. Is that no CEO right now of medium or large businesses has the thought process of not uh, leveraging cheap capital? Like cheap debt is that there are very few businesses right now that exist that don't believe that they can make payroll by borrowing. Well, and to be and and that's a bad mindset. Well, to be fair, it might not be a bad mindset. This is one of those things that like you have to look at It's a bad mindset. <laughs> you have to look at the world that you exist in. And if the idea is Yeah, exactly. If, you, if the idea is that you're supposed to give the best return to your investors as possible, taking yeah. out cheap debt that doesn't cost you anything basically because you're just pushing the can down the road for the time being, like that's not necessarily a bad strategy if the whole point it, it's, yeah. is like, and that's the kind of the thing. And like, maybe this is a problem with big business yeah. that isn't doesn't have a majority stakeholder who runs the business. It's like Henry Ford's not going like I'm going to return money to the investors who own half this business, you know, most of this business. When he's like, yeah, I own fifty five percent, just whatever I want, and that's why you see like weird crap like you know, uh, Elon Musk does a lot of the stuff Elon Musk does. He acts like he owns 100% of that business. It's like, it's just me who's getting hurt. Like I'm not returning money to investors or anything like that. So like, that's where I think a lot of these people it's, they're not doing like they're operating bad in a business standpoint from what we think in the world. But like from a point of they're hired to return capital to the investors, they're doing not a bad idea. Well, but I mean, it, it makes sense because it makes sense in the sense that like uh, they're looking in a funhouse mirror mm-hmm. is that like things are distorted. And so when they look in their projections and they and they exist in the current world and they see like I can I can take out a loan at, you know, near zero percent interest to make payroll and then pay it back later. That makes sense. And it does oh, yeah. like it does make sense. And that's kind of to kind of like take a step back and say what we always talk about, which is 
the the real issue here is the government is is cheap cheap money that's printed you know forever and uh free money probably yeah free money basically yeah free money that's injected into specific areas and we'll continue this and and i and i do kind of buy into what like david sockman and some of the other ones i've been hearing lately said uh, jeff dice was talking about this as well is that i do think like on the other side is when they let everybody out of their house the the economy will pick back up like it'll you know people it's not like there's been there's not a loss of production or anything like that the only thing that's suffered is the financial markets and We've been shut down for two weeks now, and as soon as everything opens back up, like I still want to go to a restaurant. Mason probably still wants to go to still restaurants going. or eat takeout or whatever. <laughs> well, yeah, you, you probably are. Yeah, well, so yeah, strip club, whatever. But like a, a good ex- here's a good example of like how this is like so distorted in Texas, and and we'll kind of wrap up on this. I had a couple other things, but like we'll go ahead and wrap up on this because I know that it's getting a little bit late for everybody. Um, so in Texas, so, uh, our governor, I think his name's Greg Abbott. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he I, just I think his name is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I don't. Know. I mean, like I, all I know is my governor's name is Governor Blackface, but. <laughs> right. <laughs> so so Greg Abbott had like a forty-five minute long um, presentation that he gave, where he goes over like the numbers in Texas, and when he goes over them, he says like ninety percent of people who are tested positive who, who who test positive for corona only um only about 10 percent of them have to be hospitalized and right now we only have two percent of beds currently occupied in the texas hospital system some places have more and some people at places have less but for the most for overall it's two percent and he said if you if you take a look at um the the patients that are hospitalized 98% of them are released within a week with a clean bill of health or, or, or on path, not a clean bill of health, but on the path to recovery. So, uh, so he's basically, he's saying like all these things are good and like all this stuff. And then like when you watch the entire, it's a 45 minute long pro- presentation. I was just like, I really want to be out of the house on my birthday so I can go get a steak or something like that at a good restaurant. But, um, I don't know if that's going to be the case. So he goes through this and I'm like, yeah, we're going to be off of quarantine because only 2% of beds are occupied. And then he was like talking about how like they've, they've got now hotels that are unoccupied who are giving up rooms for patients to increase by like 200% the amount of hospital beds available. Like, like yeah. hospitals operating out of hotels and stuff like that. So he's like, and only 2% are available are, are occupied right now, but we've got these hotels that we're going to rent out by, you know, from the government and all that sort of stuff. And so we'll have all this stuff, but we're still going to be shut down for three weeks. Yeah. I don't, I don't, <laughs> so like, I don't want to get, I don't want to get, we'll kill you or we'll cure your uh, coronavirus, but now you have bed bugs. <laughs> I don't want to get yeah. too much into the weeds, obviously, as you're trying to wrap up the episode, but I, I have some inside information, uh, personally where there are some facilities in here in the Midwest where we're from that are looking to do kind of basically FEMA camp type setups. Uh, you know, so I I don't know, you know, it's, I mean, it's really interesting because I do hear very, very mixed. Yeah. It's bizarre. It is. And you don't know what, uh, you don't know what's truth or you don't know what's real yeah, or if it's just all precautionary, or is this is this is this happening? You know? I, I think right, it's both. yeah, because like I I I 
well, it could be both, yeah. But like, I go out, like I went down to the Home Depot today, had to stand in line for twenty minutes to get into the Home Depot, and to get, which, to get in, yeah, to get into oh, the Home Depot because of, of social distancing. I, yeah, be, yeah. I like to imagine only fifty people in there. <laughs> Jacob's standing out in front, and like a a pickup truck pulls up. Is like, hey, you look like you could lift some two by fours. You want to come help me build a deck? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, but yeah, I was like standing in line because I need to get these. Because you know we just moved into the house, and so like I had to get some stuff to repair it and some WD forty and stuff like that. And and I also had to return some items that we bought that didn't fit what I I I mismeasured. So like that. So whatever. But uh, metric system versus imperial. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> right. Right. So like so I was standing in line to get in there, and and I'm and I, I thought this before because I've done this like three times now at the Home Depot. Is I'm like I'm standing in line like two feet in front like behind the person in front of me, and. But I, I have to wait in line for 20 Arrest minutes. Arrest this man. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, well it, but everybody is. It's it's a dense line. And, and there's a whole bunch of people waiting in line to get in there. And I'm going like, I'm going to get in there. And I'm not going to see another person in the store, even if it was at full capacity. Because I never do. I go to the Home Depot and there's nobody in there. And like I, like maybe I see a person like walking down the aisle or something. But I never have to go like, excuse me, sir. Can I get my cart through here? You know, it, it's never like that. It's always empty. And, um, so, but then I went afterwards over to the, uh, well, actually this was, this was the other day, but we went over to, we went to Home Depot, it was the headline, then we went over to Walmart because the Walmart had a, a McDonald's in it and we wanted McFlurries. So this was, this was before I was doing my restriction. <laughs> I was going to say, that's 400 calories right there. Oh, that's like a thousand calories. Yeah. Like the McFlurries <laughs> are crazy, but but while I was there, I was like, how on earth is this acceptable? Walmart was packed. How is Walmart acceptable? But Home Depot is not acceptable. It's it's all about right. the it's all about the liability that the insurer is willing to take. And that's that's yeah. the difference. Like, and this is one of those things that like is a cl- like I think this should be kind of like the last not not for the last word, but kind of like the last kind of tangent to this. It's like this is what the whole point of the free market is, is what will your insurer allow and if you have the government as your backstop why are you even bothering to restrict like they're just basically like oh we'll we'll make hotel beds appear out of nowhere if you like get into trouble because of this virus like we'll backstop you completely so i'd just be like let everybody in screw it yeah right and 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 that's you know and that's kind of maybe it is more serious than i think but that's sort of how how i'm like it's just like you know open it up because what's the difference between now and two weeks from now or three weeks from now or uh, Memorial Day weekend when chili doses exactly. happen. What's, what's the yeah. difference then? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yep. And and as as of right now, chili dose is still happening. It's on, baby. Right. And if and if and if uh, Emma Long Metropolitan Park in Austin is closed, we will have a alternative location that is also nearby Austin. So anybody who has, who already has tickets to fly into Austin to drive the nine hours to (laughs) Altamarfa. Right. Well, they, they won't have to do that, but they, but, uh, and actually, interestingly enough, guess what? Colleen, Texas. (laughs) Katie Long. Well, but all all of, uh, all of the Buchanan Lake (laughs) parks are closed currently. So, so fly into Springfield, Branson regional, uh, airport and you can ride with me. (laughs) Caravan. Yeah. Peaceful trees and caravan. Yeah, exactly, boys. Yeah, I mean, right now, like it, it seems like Austin has got most of their parks open. They're not really seriously closing things. I'm in bars and nightclubs and restaurants are. You know what? I only. say fuck it. I say fuck it. Let's. Who cares what the law says? 
I'm at the yeah. point right now where, okay, just to bring it back to Corona, like the the conspiracy, I I don't know what to believe with this thing, but it seems like the fear side of things is driving it all. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the powers that be, whatever you want to call them, whether you want to call it some sort of conspiracy or if it's just politicians or, or what, wh- whoever's behind, quote, it. Anunnaki. It seems right. like it, it seems like they're they're leveraging fear a lot more than what really should be, and and I I'm I'm the kind of person that wants to balance wisdom with fear, you know, like I I, I want I want my life to not be driven by fear, but at the same time I want I want to make wise decisions, so I choose to right. vaccinate even though I have like a lot of skepticism about vaccination, you know what I mean. I'm not an anti-vaxxer because I feel like that will do a lot more damage to my life and my my daughter's life than it would to just vaccinate. So there's this constant balance. But the longer this coronavirus thing goes on, the more it seems that this is all about the leverage of the fear of the populace. Yeah. And, and I think in a I lot think, of places you do see this going on where people are just kind of are, are starting to just go. Actually, even from the beginning, they're just starting to go like, eh. I'm not I'm not paying attention to that. And and we actually saw this like recently in New York. There was like just a bunch of people in New York were just like, Yeah, we're not we're not staying inside anymore. We're gonna go out. And and the police are trying to like go like, Oh no, you guys gotta go back in and stuff and they're like, I don't wanna go back in. Like and for better or for worse. And so, you know, here when I go outside here and I drive around or whatever and I see people going around and, and doing stuff, it like I don't see dead bodies anywhere. I, I look at the numbers that are being reported by Tarrant County and, and Dallas County. They're not that big. Like actually, the, the deaths by regular flu are higher already from from the beginning of the year to now. And so maybe maybe it is more serious. It's I, know, I don't know. But that's not to say that it's not a serious thing. But it's right. also not to say that we can't rise up and defeat this thing. We don't have to like hole up in our homes and not see our loved ones. You know what I mean? Like right. that, yeah. that's just a, that's just a side it, benefit. It, <laughs> yeah, but, but but you see what I'm saying? There there seems to be this like, oh my god, we have to hole up and and live under a rock for a couple of months, otherwise we're all gonna die. And it it seems like they're pushing us into insanity and yeah. not even allowing us to rationalize our own existence. For fuck's yeah. sake, dude! Like, let's take a deep breath. Like, seriously, it's insane. Yeah, it really, it really. I, I, I mean, it really is insane. And I think being stuck at the house is probably worse for people's health than the possibility of contracting a disease that is that's oh, not going to kill. Such a good point. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and it, other people have made this point too. Is that like there's a lot of issues with like. Be, people being depressed. Also, people being stuck inside and like sitting in front of their computer screens all day long because they're stuck inside instead of going out. Like LA, LA had this actually where the the first day when they were under lockdown, they didn't close any of the parks down. So everybody just went to the mm-hmm. park. And then LA was like, shit, everybody's going to the park and they're not social distancing. So we got to close down the parks. And well, what's, uh, uh, what's New York going to do? Because NYPD is like something like 200 infected cops. So is like domestic yeah. violence going to skyrocket? <laughs> Probably. Uh, <laughs> I know. No, less minorities would be choked to death in the middle of the street for selling loose cigarettes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that'll, that'll probably be good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I think it's a good place to end. Is you know, we got to figure something out. I, I think that 
Uh, Victoria and I have been talking about it, maybe having the libertarians in our local area come over and have like a cookout or something like that. And, uh, maybe have 11 people <laughs> and challenge <laughs> the, the restriction, but, uh, we'll be but there. Like, yeah. Just kind of have like just some, something else to do. I, I, I'm going to, I'm buying a grill here shortly. I, I I'm trying, I, I feel like because I live in Texas, I have to have a propane. Grill. Uh, uh, what? What are you going to grill? That's, that's 400 calories. Charcoal, charcoal or nothing. Well, uh, yeah. Just one. Well, piece I, of- I don't know. He, Hank Hill, man. It's his hero propane. Yeah, exactly. Hank no, Hill. I know. I'm, I'm just saying, <laughs> what is he going to grill that's 400 calories? Well, that's why sure. we've got to do it after after this yeah. week because, like, after this week, it goes up to 1,000 calories. Oh, and okay. Then, so it's yeah. incremental. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's incremental. So one week of 400, then 1,000, and then you and then you can reintroduce 2,000, uh, which is about 500 calories short of what most men are supposed to yeah. have, quote unquote. And then, but it's but then you're changing your diet to not incorporate like a lot of the stuff I've been eating, which is like a lot of rice and beans and tortillas and that kind so of thing. To, all the good I'll stuff. I'll have to fly out. And I know exactly all the things that are delicious. I'll have to fly out and show Jacob how to use this grill. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Mason, Mason is how to use yeah. grills. Hey, so. let me know when I'll, I'll drive down or fly. <laughs> all yeah. right. Right on, man. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, I think that's it. Mason, do you want to do any plugs well, or anything before we go? And then, and then we'll let those people say, you can, guys do you can always follow us on Twitter, uh, tasting anarchy on Twitter, Childerberg on Twitter for the latest news on Childerberg. You go to Childerberg.com for the latest news, sign up for the newsletter. Uh, you can send us an email at tasting anarchy at gmail.com, or you could just check out our website, uh, tasting anarchy, where we really don't do anything but post the episodes and we should probably write reviews and stuff like that, but we're both too lazy to do that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe someday we'll get maybe. back to it. Actually, I've been shut in. Maybe I should start doing eh, it now. You got secret <laughs> business stuff to do. That's true. I do have secret business stuff to do. Yeah. So, boys, uh, over at Peaceful Treason, man, we're uh, we're all over the place. We're mostly on Twitter. We've been hyping the Discord. The Discord has been getting a little hot with as far as our, our like our inner circle. Uh, people have been kind of getting in there having side discussions. How dare yep. they? So I'm, I'm that, in there. It, yeah, yeah, good, yeah. That, the Discord's good. Yeah, I, I love it when you come in there, man. I, it's there's so much good conversation. I forget to check it. I check it weekly. <laughs> You've been a lot, you have been a lot better lately, though. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I've I've been on the. Uh, I got aside from Corona, I got bumped to the late shift at work, so I've just had like okay. a whole disruption of my life. I'm still going to work every day, but I'm on social media at completely different times. It's it's thrown me all out of whack. Yeah, I'll get notifications at like three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I'm texting Jared in the middle of the goddamn <laughs> night. Uh, but yeah, yeah, man, Twitter. Uh, I think so. We because we were sick, we haven't recorded. I think we're gonna record more. Yes. I think I'm gonna try and yes. set up a home studio so we can record not in person and have it sound the same. Okay, yeah. so that's on the on the horizon. That'd be cool. But uh, yeah, we Pe- uh, peacefultreason.com. There's a little sidebar if you want to find our Discord. I wanted to make it more of a, a harder thing to find, but okay. Jared just wants to invite all the feds in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, all right. I guess that's everything for us, guys. Um, so from Tasting Anarchy, stay, stay free. free. All right. Let's put in the outro song. I don't know how long this Astro song will go, so if you guys want to get off, you can. You guys, we love you. Are you right? We love you guys, too. All right, take it easy. Drink at me. Oh, give me some of that slop. Oh, pass that bottle to me. 
If you want to get along in Peterstown, buy some wine and pass it around. Age runs up to 49. All them cats, they love sweet wine. Drinking wine for the Yodi, drink wine. Wine for the Yodi, drink wine. Wine for the Yodi, drink wine. Pass that bottle to me. Hoy! Wine, wine, wine. Elderberry. Wine, wine, wine. Cherry, cherry. Wine, wine, wine. Blackberry. Wine, wine, wine. Horton Sherry. Wine, wine, wine. Oh, pass that bottle to me. Now down on Gilsey at Willie's Den. He wasn't selling but American gin. One soldier wanted a bottle of wine. He hit that cat for a dollar and a dime. A drink of wine for the Yodi drink wine. Wine for the Yodi drink wine. Wine for the Yodi drink wine. Pass that bottle to me. Now I got a nickel. Have you got a dime? Let's get together and get some wine. Somebody's fifth and somebody's fourth. When you get together, you're doing things smart. Drinking wine for the Yodi drink wine. Wine for the Yodi drink wine. Wine for the Yodi drink wine.